a big sip. All right, all right, all right, y'all. We have a very special Big Sip show planned for you today. I have actually got three incredible human individuals in front of me right here. Um, we're celebrating Black History Month, and what better way to do that this February than bringing together three incredible men, each from their own generation, so we have that here at the table, but each one of them with their pursuit to follow their dreams, and you know, it's been years since they've each been able to create their own realities, their own dreams, bring them to life. And I have got James Moss from J Moss Wines here with me. I've also got Daryl who creates an incredible barbecue sauce and he'll be talking all about that. And then of course you can't talk barbecue in Napa Valley without mentioning the only black <laughs> restaurant in all of Napa who makes incredible barbecue. Uh, that of course is Charles Buster from Buster's Barbecue in Calistoga. Gentlemen, welcome. So good to have you Thank here. You. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> It's good to be here, actually. So good to be here. So good to just be in front of three of you, actually, to be able to talk about, you know, business ventures, um, our passions, right, our dreams, being able to bring that to fruition. Um, I read a little bit of that um, just from, you know, looking up JMOS and your story and how you've worked with some phenomenal individuals, prominent individuals in the wine industry. And so to just know that you have that behind you and, and that kind of a, you know, group of people willing to support you is it must be so awesome. It was. It was a great ride, I tell you. I'm blessed. Good, good. I'm so glad. And then Charles, I know, you know, you, again, you are the only black restaurant here in Napa. Um, I would definitely get excited to dive into, you know, what did that take as, you know, a black man getting started out in the early on decades when you did and uh, everything, all the successes that you've been able to build. You were telling me earlier when we were off air, some really exciting uh, new opportunities yeah. you're going to be bringing with some music and some vibes to, to Buster's. So who wants to who wants to kick us off first? Who would like to d dive into uh, their cup so we can sip a I little like bit from I like to hear about his wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wine and food. We are at the culinary capital of the world. Yeah. Wine and food and sauce, right? Wine, food, and sauce. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So um, I'm a Dallas boy, quite honestly, you know, from Irving, Texas. Okay. Uh, from a little hood called Bear Creek. Yeah. But... Um, uh, Dallas County. So I was in the wine industry back there, you know, um, started out uh, with Dr. Pepper, believe it or not. A lot of Texans love that DP, right? Mm -hmm. So um, working uh, back there, end up working for a distributor. Started coming out to California for uh, educational purposes, quite honestly. And I was selling a lot of wine for a lot of Napa uh, Valley wineries. And, um, in Texas. In Texas, yeah. And then came to California for the first time. You know, never left Texas and came to <laughs> California for the first time. We're like, wow, man, California <laughs> is the place to be. So um, ended up finding my way here. It was a, a crazy ride. Uh, found my way here. We call it uh, WW, Wine and Women, right? Well, uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Two things that'll get you in trouble and also get you in the right place. <laughs> exactly. Wine and Women got me to Napa, guys. I'm telling you that right now. So I uh, met, uh, met my girlfriend at Silverado Country Club, actually. Okay. And now she's my wife. So um, she's been along this journey with me, uh, Janet. Uh, McDonald Moss. So she's been on this journey with me, which is phenomenal. But um, once I got here, I started working for us, uh, a big distributor, quite honestly. 
because, you know, I had to keep it going. And mm-hmm. um, in the meantime, I befriended a couple wineries, a couple winemakers, a couple famous guys, and um, they took me under their wing. Um, yeah, Gustavo Brambila from yeah, Chateau Montalena. Exactly. Big famous so guy. So dope. Right? Yes. I mean, we can't talk about <laughs> the Paris tasting without mentioning Gustavo Brambila. <laughs> exactly. I mean, master blender, great guy. Really uh, was fortunate um, to meet that dude, worked with him. What's crazy about the whole thing is that, um, you know, we started out doing a little garage wine, right? You know, so made a little uh, Merlot in the garage and uh, came out amazing. Served it at our wedding, believe it or not. So cool. Didn't kill anybody. (laughs) You're like, maybe we have a business opportunity here if everyone's still alive. (laughs) Exactly. You know, is everyone breathing? Okay, good. (laughs) So, um, and then just really wanted to try to dip into it a little bit, you know, really make some Cabernet. A lot of people kept saying, hey, man, where's your wine? Where's your wine? Right. I mean, I know there was a lot of doubters out there, you know, and, um, you know, I'm not a trust fund baby either. So, Mm. (laughs) you know, so I had to grind it out Two jobs working hard. But, you know, hey, that's what it takes. If you want it, you got to go get it. Right, guys. That's it. You know, got to go get it. So uh, work really hard was fortunate, like you said, to um, work under Gustavo Bambila uh, for the first six years. He was my mentor. So he really taught me a lot about wine, uh, and I embraced it all. I know I probably asked him a billion questions, you know, along the way, and he just kept answering those questions. So um, I was really pleased. How great that you kept asking those questions, because that's the other thing, right? Mm -hmm. You can meet people who can be sort of that stepping stone to help you out and figure out certain things. But if that hunger also doesn't come from you to want to learn more and to ask those questions, you can only go so far as, as you're also limiting yourself or allowing yourself to go. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, also, the good thing about it, too, was um, I met Mark Jessup, who uh, was from mm. Jessup Sellers, and um, he worked for Robert Mondavi and helped with that Opus One project as well. So he was a well-known guy in Napa, uh, you know, Napa born and bred fella. You know, he really helped me out in the beginning and his whole family. Um, I love those guys, but uh, we really um, learned a lot from, from Mark. You know, he really got me going in the right direction, and then I just kept going when I met Gustavo. So... It uh, really worked out good for me that way. That's incredible. And how great to just know that there are people out there again, you know, anytime that someone has a dream or a vision to know that if you can just find the right people, those people are, are always willing to continue to help other people out and to pass down that knowledge. Sometimes it might be a little harder for other folks than others, right? Because it also takes making those right connections. But I'm really happy that you saw so much success from from that moment and from the moments that you decided to take the plunge and, and you know, exactly. be wooed by wine and women. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it's... it's it's hard, I tell you. You know, the wine business is 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 a passion, right? You know, just like you guys, I know making making food and and having your uh, place up there in Calistoga. You know, you um, you had to have the passion in order to do that, and so that what makes it different. You know, you have to have the drive, the determination, and mm-hmm. the will to just to keep working hard, no matter who tell you you can't do it. Yeah. You know, because I know there was a lot of doubters and. You know, how can you do it? You know, the old story about wine is like, you know, go make uh, four million in another business and then buy a winery, right? Mm. So um, I guess we're not I all privileged to be able to do that. No, I didn't get that memo. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I just had to, 
I just had to grind at two jobs mm-hmm. every day, you know. I, so. I know. When I heard you say that, I'm just like, I can relate so much to that because I have two jobs. And then the big sip, this is just a passion project of mine. And it's just something that I fully believe more stories need to be told from people of color for people to really understand uh, the impact that we make in the valley, beyond the valley, everything that we've been able to bring to the table. And so... Sometimes, you know, you can be excited about passion projects that aren't necessarily lucrative in that moment, but, you know, you kind of keep hustling through the actual jobs that you have, knowing that maybe at some point later down the line, the steps that you've been trying to take forward in this side will all pay off in in some other beautiful way, shape or form. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you just keep walking. I mean, I know I've talked to so many different people in the Valley that makes wine. I mean, I was a couple of years in Barbara Spellage's place in the back corner back there going... Hey, Barb, can I rent space in the back corner? You know, <laughs> uh, but um, in 2011, we got our own space, um, built it out with another friend of mine um, who's not in the industry anymore, but uh, built out a space down there off Enterprise Way. And um, we're still going. We're still there. I mean, wow, it's a great ride. And you've got some great wines. I was great checking wines. them out. I'm like, they're all like 90 plus points. I'm like, OK, I see you over here. Yeah, yeah that's the cool thing about it is that. Um, We've definitely um, getting some great reviews for some very famous critics. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jeb Dunnick, uh, James Suckling, Robert Parker. Yeah, been in the Wine Spectator a couple times with some big scores. So we're doing pretty good. We're holding our own here in Napa Valley. That's I hate, it, and that's what we're here to do. I love it, and more people need to go out and support. That's always what it's all about, right? Being able to also feel supported financially with people investing in you, your product, what you bring to the table. I have yet to go visit. So, so now there's something on my on my bucket there. list that I need to go exactly. do. <laughs> Liquid the lips, baby. Liquid the lips. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to get on down there. And we can't have some really great wine without some uh, some incredible food. And we've got two phenomenal people here as well doing the damn thing. And and Charles, I I really want to know, you know, what is it like being the only black business restaurant owner in Napa? And what did that look like? You bringing that to fruition at the beginning and. And what have those years look like for you now? You know, I've had the distinct pleasure in my career, which lends to what it is that I'm doing. One of the distinct pleasures I have or had was working with my mother. Mm -hmm. Um, My mother was a person who loved to cook. And as if you could go back and trace tradition, Uh, They started out uh, working uh, in the basement of the church. So I came along and give all the credit to my mother and my brothers and sisters who endowed me with the ability to do what it is that I'm doing and have done. Very beautiful. Cooking, I'll have to admit, is is just a little portion of what it is that has allowed Busters to manifest itself into whatever you think it is now. You know, uh, I hate to put a period at the end of it because I'm continually growing and I'm continually learning. Mm. So when I was invited to come up here to the Napa Valley by one of my uh, customers and not even realizing, I knew of the Napa Valley, but I didn't know quite 
exactly where it stood geographically, uh, financially, uh, socially, as far as those things being able to manifest what it is that I do. So once I came, you would have to understand without me getting off into the personal history that led me to coming here uh, was that some of the things that I had to do for myself to get myself mentally, and I'm not talking about mentally prepared to be in business because uh, I've had some great teachers mentally preparing me for business Mm -hmm. and giving me those things that I could apply to anything that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens I love being around food. I love the formal, informal gestures. Uh, I love everything that food uh, happens to bring along with it. I often say to some of my friends is that it's kind of hard to be mad when you're eating a rib. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's really... <laughs> nice, nice. So what that does is that breaks it down. I mean, that breaks it down into I'm going to eat, I'm going to enjoy because you usually contribute eating to enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And so when I came up to, came to Napa, not to say that the systemic racism in this valley, which there is, uh, existed, and I didn't confront it, well, that would be a mistruth. What I had to learn prior to coming here was how to deal with systemic racism, economic imbalance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's like some of my friends my age, their fa- their parents have died, left them a home. They're able to sell that home, get, get uh, equity out of that home, and go buy them another home and retire. Right. Well, there was nine of us, and that home couldn't be split up that many ways if exactly. we owned one, which we didn't. Mm-hmm. So the economic hindrance from me being a black person is probably one of the most crucial things that you have to deal with. You got to deal with it. And it's how you deal with it. Do you sell your soul to get enough money to go into business? What do you do when you have a landslide of business coming in and you don't have enough money to purchase a piece of equipment that will help you. So it just doesn't begin with that piece of equipment or doesn't begin with Buster opening up a barbecue restaurant. It begins from each one of my brothers sitting here, I'm sure if they look back, was that the equity that you didn't have, that you couldn't pass and bring over, that would allow you to do what it is that you want to do. Whether you succeed or fail, it allowed you, it gave you that opportunity. opportunity. We, as black people, will, until there is a reckoning of that imbalance, all the way from the beginning, and when I say the beginning, I mean from the time that the misnomer of uh, bringing Africans over here to work and, and the Civil War was fought not over the land, but it was fought over labor, free labor. Well, from that point on, that's when the inequity, because as a people, we were rich in every sense of the way when we were in Africa. So those things that were endowed within us, 
When we came here, those things got stripped, stripped away. away. I have to be constantly cognizant of that fact. And I have to constantly keep that in front of me. But with that being said, that does not stop me from doing what it is that I need to do. What that does is just makes you a little more creative. How do you get around there? And, and how do you transpire that into black people that we're, I think, and I might be wrong, one-third of the population, and we are the number one consumers of goods. Number one consumers of goods. By creating and have well-established the racism, the, and that's what systemic is, it goes down to the root. Once after that had, had been established, and we constantly try to uh, you know, get around that, now we have to put energy that we could put forth to making barbecue sauce, to selling barbecue. But we have to deal with another issue. One, no matter where I go, I'm black. I am black. And from that moment on, it's when I look at you, I have to immediately, in my brain, figure out how are you going to approach me because I'm black. And if I'm asking you for some money, how is it and how are you going to approach me? And I can, I can say to you that, that I've seen it happen and I just have to shake my head and, and, and walk away from it because it is approached differently from being black and from being white. So each one of my brothers sitting here, I don't know them, I just met them for the first time, but I can imagine if you ask them the question, how does that, how does that feel? How, what, what is it that you have to overcome just to get to a level playing field? And given that level playing field, if we were on a level playing field, not only do we succeed in athletics and, and scholarly, but we can succeed in most anything that we do. 100%. The even playing field. And so uh, through my talents of being a professional ball player, from being a professional whatever you want to call my business is, you know, I, I don't like to title it. I just do it. I think, and I don't think long on it because then I will get very upset because I have to look out for my little grandson and my daughter and for all the other people of color, black people in business. So when people approach me and they ask me, well, Buster, how's business? And I says, I'm doing fine. And most likely they won't pursue that anymore. But that was an open door for them. So they just go on and they say, oh, well, it looks like uh, you're doing very well here. And then I think, well, what about my other brothers and sisters? You don't know what it took for me to get here. And so these are some of the disparities. These are some of the inequities, not only financially, but just living. Yep. Now you fast forward that to Napa, one of the richest counties in the United States. And the whitest. And the whitest. <laughs> yeah. And so I guess you can say, man, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Hmm. And probably so. But I came up 
not by choice, just by geographically putting, I was able to excel in sports. So it puts me into a position of one that you are looked upon differently because you played a, a, a sport from, from the beginning. So that put me at a slight advantage. But even with that, when we took a shower, put our clothes on, white people then switched this way and black people went the other, way. the other way. Those are the systemic. Those are the things that people don't look at. Those are the things and those are the questions that we got to keep asking ourselves. Mm -hmm. And those are the things, being black, being in business, that we try to talk about and to answer and not avoid them. And I have to admit that is a lot of times when I'm coming up and I was doing business, I avoided them. Not anymore. I can remember as I was speaking to you, Buster said, build a platform out there that we have live jazz and blues at Buster's. Well, when people think of live music, live jazz and blues, uh, they conjure something up in their head. But what Buster's has done is that he connected with people in that profession, professional musicians. When they walk around that corner and they hear that music, immediately they go, oh my God. Why? Because we have the obligation and we have the will of God that whatever we do, we have to bring the best of it out. And so with the music, that's what we've done. And so as they begin to talk to some of the, the, the people that play there, you know, uh, we have them playing from the Earth, Wind, and Fire. The, the one that heads up our, our music is uh, Rob Watson. He played 10 years for James Brown, lead guitar, wow. and bass guitar player. So they hear that, and they don't understand. And a lot of times I get up and I narrate the whole platform of the music and I ask questions, why do you pat your foot? Why are you patting your foot? What makes you pat your foot? Why do you pat your foot? And they said, because it feels good. That's what we have to do as a people. We have to feel good in ourselves. And that feel good is then transmitted through our instruments, through our vocals, through what it is that we do. And I hope and pray at one time that we don't have to try to excel beyond our capabilities. It's just that we can just do what it is that we do. And until that happens, there will still be this diversity mm -hmm. in being able to achieve, mm -hmm. being able to do that which it is, sell barbecue sauce, to sell wine, to know when you go into a vendor and you try to sell your wine that you're not looking at uh, and you've got to overcome being black first. Yep. Mm -hmm. I don't care what your wine tastes like. Exactly. Uh, you gotta, you're going to have to look at, man, i got to overcome this person. Uh, you have to come in three me, times as yeah, prepared as, with X amount of things behind you just so someone can look at you at the same level playing field had it been a white person with zero experience that came into the game yeah. and somehow your resume needs to be threefold of whatever theirs is just for you to be oh, looked yeah. at the exact oh, yeah. same. You can, you can see that you could have the best wine in the world and you try to present it to the person if you're even able to get interviewed a meeting right. mm -hmm. exactly. <laughs> to yeah. show yeah. your wine for somebody white could have some of the nastiest tasting stuff and they get 
And, and, and then you sit there and you taste that. Now, how in the heck did this guy able to sell this nasty taste and stuff in my mind? Those are the things. Yeah. Those are the things. Yeah. So these are some of the inherited things as being a, a black, but, you know, and people say, oh, here you go again, talking about being black. And, and you always want to bring up the race issue. But that's because race is embedded in every <laughs> single aspect of what we do day that's, in and day out. It. You can't look at a brown person or a black person and not expect them to automatically have that lens when every interaction they've had from the moment they were born has been with a race lens from how you were treated at school Absolutely. from the different opportunities you had access to to as an adult and the own dreams that you want to achieve knowing that just to get your foot in the door you have to again if it's something as simple as a resume it needs to be like almost extraordinary for you to just be looked at as you know just a regular person next to another regular person yeah and 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 that is true on all you know aspects when i was playing i couldn't just achieve to my own capabilities and my capabilities you know i had a comment made to me and and we were talking and i avoided tremendously says oh you played yeah i played oh you were on the practice squad. Now, I had to explain to him, let me explain something to you, sir. If you're chosen out of 500 professional ball players that play, and if you get chosen even to walk out on that field, you are a pro. You're chosen. You are a pro. You stand a grade higher than anybody else that had the opportunity to walk out on that field. You are a pro. So by you diminishing me by saying I was a warm-up person or I was on the practice squad, that just shows how that systemic and how that racism came about. And so it is there. And when you hear it, and I, like I said, I used to avoid it. Now I don't. I take it straight on. And generally, for the most part, they have no backup to it other than the fact that they were born into it. They practice it and it's been accepted. And we're here today to say no more, Mm -hmm. no more, Mm -hmm. no more. I'm not going to be sold for two dollars. I'm not going to degradate my people just to get ahead. I'm not going to say it is when it isn't. And so those are some of the things that are are transpired with me being here. And, you know, when I came up here to Napa, I looked at some of the history. Now, I live in Calistoga, and that was a gathering place for the Ku Klux Klan back in the 40s. There's a huge KKK history in Napa. Yeah. And so this artist was painting this mural depicting the uh, Napa transition to what it is now. And he put a hanging loose with the KK depicted on this mural. The people that where he was going to hang says, oh, no, let's take that down. We don't want nobody to know about that. that. That's some of the history that we don't want folks to know about. That's the kind of stuff that when happens, when you see the insertion that happened on January the 6th, that is what happens when you continue to bury something and now they feel emboldened to come and to demonstrate that. And that just flows right back into Charles Davis uh, trying to open up a business in Napa 
And where is that Klan person at if I meet him? And believe me, being black, they don't have to say a word. It'll just ooze mm-hmm. out of them. Behavior. You know? And so I got to hand it to my brothers, you know, trying to sell wine in, in this wine mecca and, and being black, too. I think that's a tremendous thing. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I pray for him every day that he succeeds in selling his wine. we got to get you to come over to Buster's and exactly. get some of your wine and, <laughs> and see how that stuff tastes and some of Buster's barbecue. On, we got to get in there, man. <laughs> that wine goes Take great over to exactly. yeah. You know, personally, I, I know it sounds uh, odd, but I don't drink. And so folks come up to me and says, well, what wine do you subscribe to eating uh, or to drinking with your food? I said, any kind you like. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's you okay, Buster. You got me now. We're going to start that, brother. You know, don't get me off and, you know, tearing this wine with my, my pork rib or my chicken. James will take one, care of that for you. Whatever one you We're going to get a whole rack of, of ribs and then Jamos wines and Daryl's barbecue sauce. And we're just gonna start <laughs> yeah. food pairing. Yeah, just exactly. be like, what's gonna go with what? Yeah, and that's what you do, you know. And so, be able to laugh at it and go on about it. But I feel so fortunate and so blessed that I did land here, and mm-hmm. that I am able to do what it is that I like to do. I exactly sincerely love doing what it is that I do, yeah. which is preparing what it is that I prepare. I, I, I really love that. And so when I came up in here to the wine country, had no idea, completely oblivious to the fact that this was the wine mecca of the world. But once I got here, and, and I'll have to say, there are some very genuine people here. And and I kind of like say, oh, you must, your family must have a little... Uh, Aborigine in, in, in the fact that you were one of those that looked at slavery and said, you know, this ain't right because of a right. human being. You know, uh, I had one of them come and give me a flag that he fought over in Afghanistan mm. and a plaque. He gave it to me. Wow. And I looked at that and I looked at him and I looked at his mother and father. I says, are you sure? He says, oh, yeah. And it's sitting up there on my mantle now. And I go, oh, my God. And those little moments, that's what keeps me going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just that little, you know, I mean, we got to gather a lot of spark. But just when, when somebody comes unknowingly, comes up and does something like that. And then, you know, it took me a while. And, and truth be known, I had to go look up and to see exactly what that meant, what he gave me. Mm-hmm. And when I did, I was completely blown away. So those are the things you get those little tidbits as you are in in business uh, or any business persons, whether you're black, right. white, brown or whatever, you get those. And that's what, uh, you know, eggs you on. But as I go through Napa Valley and as I do what it is that I'm doing, I become very refreshed in the fact that I am doing what it is that I'm doing. And, and I want to thank you for coming up and allowing me to just voice a little bit of that because 
us. And as I spoke, is that we're going to be live streaming. These are the kind of conversations that needs to be had. 100%. On a constant daily. Because they didn't teach me in school this. And they didn't teach me any of this black education that mm -hmm. I've got. Other than the fact that Abraham Lincoln, he wrote the Emancipation Proclamation. Yeah. But they didn't tell me why which was more important than him mm -hmm. doing it, okay? Mm -hmm. So I appreciate and I applaud you for just gathering on Black History Month. I want to practice Black History year-round. 100%. Because exactly. I am Black History year-round. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And exactly. that's why it's yeah. so important to, to share these stories, like you said, on a consistent basis. These are conversations yeah. that need to happen and it's why I was inspired to do the big sit because growing up, it's a conversation that people tell you like, oh, there they go again, making this thing about race or there are like, and all of these emotions like come up for you as your children, as your adults. And, you know, sometimes you tell yourself like, just swallow it. Like, it's okay. Maybe you're making shit up in your head, whatever. And then, but you know, like, you know, deep oh, yeah. down inside, like, no, I'm feeling this way for a reason. This person made something they said, something they did, behaviors they exhibited, whatever, like I I'm not crazy for feeling the way that I'm feeling and it's maybe wasn't as I don't want to use the word accepted but you know five ten years ago people weren't really having these conversations and I think oh, no. a lot of that was because people weren't ready and, and what I mean by people is white people primarily weren't ready or willing to want to engage in these conversations. They because felt very uncomfortable. Was, it was uncomfortable. Maybe there was guilt for them. And it's like, well, you know what? If you're not ready to have this, I'm the only one who's left sitting with these emotions. Yeah. And I'm no longer willing to allow myself to destroy myself internally, mentally, emotionally, simply for the sake of saving you. Because this is something that needs to be talked about. These are conversations about. that people need to be making made aware of because these emotions have been around the systemic racism has been around for centuries yeah. and it's about mm -hmm. time if we want things to change if we want to stop feeling like we always have to excel and be the greatest at any one thing just to be considered the same playing field then these conversations are a must and being able to highlight that being able to also amplify the greatness that we have achieved is equally as important. And I think one of the other things too is as a whole, as black business entities go, there was a study done by this, I forget her name, she worked in the banking business, and they did this study that racism costs America over $16 trillion just by being racist. $16 trillion. In the last five years, it was like a trillion dollars a year because of their racism practice in there. Now, what does that mean? Now, if you would allowed my mother and my father to buy a home, then they would have been able to pass that home over to me. I would have been able to borrow on that home, get the equity out of that, and go open up my wine business. I would have spent money. Mm -hmm. I would have been able to go and start my bottling of my barbecue sauce uh, and, and, and put it out there. Regardless of whether you succeed or you don't, that's not the issue. The issue is you would have had the ability and you would have had the economic footing that it would take to, make to that do possible. it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that is something you wouldn't have had to put your mind to, to how am I going to get it 
to produce it, whether it's successful or not. And, and that's another thing. You have to be willing to accept defeat. Yeah. You don't have to be willing to stay defeated, mm-hmm. but you have to be willing to accept it, you know. Very and true. so, but this is how the disparity for black businesses in particular has transmitted into negative economics and keeping our deficit at a point to where we've got these black people spending at higher rates than any other ethnic group. And they are the most depressed group there is. Now, there's something wrong with that, you see. So being a black business person, these are some of the things that I have to consider when I'm doing my black business is that where can I take my dollar to make it circulate within the black community so that he can use it, so that you can use it, Mm. and then I can use it again. And we do that three or four times, and then we let it go outside. But we get to use it. You know, that's what happened in Tulsa, Mm -hmm. you know, Colonel Allensworth and Allensworth right here in uh, the Central Valley and and, uh, California community that was up and going. And there there are numerous communities that had this. But what happened was that the racism said, oh, no, we can't have that. Mm -hmm. They're, 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 They're doing too well. And so they're willing to watch us play on a court, on a field. They're willing to pay good money to get the box seats tickets with wine served to them. But when it comes to sharing that equity as the being an owner, 85%, 85% of professional football players are black. You do not have one owner. There's something wrong with that picture. Yeah. You know, I was kind of excited when I saw Ernest and Julio that they were opening up the doors to hire more blacks within their corporate structure up in the upper echelon of their wine distributing, mm-hmm. of the wine making. And so that, I mean, you know, they're the largest in the world. Yeah, exactly. And when they set that tone, that's somewhere to start. Whether it's a good one, bad one, we don't know. Time will tell. But at least they are coming aware. And not that they're not aware. It's just that there's no action put to it. And that's the thing. Lip service versus someone who's actually putting in the action behind it. Put it in action. And so every one of us, every one of our black business, whether we want to or not, being black in business, you're putting it to action. Now, what you do with that is something else. And so for me... It is, how do I keep going? How do I navigate Mm COVID-19? How do I keep coming in? And and how do I address the administrations that when I go ask for a set of plans to do something, how do I address that? I have to spend mental hours trying to figure out and guess what they're going to say and have answers before they even ask them. Yep, and that is what people who are not people of color don't understand is the, the mental drainage that comes with already having all of the answers without you even knowing what those questions are going to be, but always being the most prepared in the room. Yeah. Because you know that that is what you will be judged off of. Yeah, exactly. And until we can get over that, you know, we've got a ways to go. A long ways to go. Yeah, I I never stop. And I never, um, (laughs) my wife said something to me. She says, hey, you know, we were voted number one barbecue restaurant in Napa. 
I said, sweetheart, we're the only one in Napa Valley. <laughs> so I couldn't get a charge out of that. I, 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 couldn't, I, I couldn't go, why? I, uh, no. I want to know, you know, if it was, there was 10 other black barbecue restaurants, I would have felt better by being number one out of 10 more. Or anyone, be it black, white, brown, or anyone, any more, you see. So being the only one is not what my goal is is to bring more up mm -hmm. with me mm -hmm. to make me work harder to get me into the craft mm -hmm. to make me be able to craft this stuff to where when Buster Craft said I'm going to taste it oh man this is good stuff I got to do something to come up to that level then I'm going to go back to my kitchen and I'm going to do what it is mm -hmm. I'm going to promote it I'm going to I'm going to advertise it that's the kind of stuff that you need and yeah. until we are challenged that way and not based on the only one mm -hmm. I can't get much uh, comfort in being the, the only uh, one the, the, the number one in, in the Napa Valley uh, I, I ask myself why why? Why am I the only one? Because there have been people here that, well, just in the, in the Napa, Sonoma, Mendocino area, you know, why did they fail? You know, the question's asked. There have been numerous barbecue places in the Bay Area. Well, why did they fail? You have to look at it. Why did they fail? And I've had the pleasure of speaking to several of them, and the bottom line is it comes back to economics, mm -hmm. disproportion of allocation of money, yep. and just the fact that we can't have you here. So I do not hold my tongue when I'm applying for something to say, do you realize I'm the only black doing this? And they want to go, oh, there you go again. No, I'm telling you a fact. I'm telling you a fact, and that's <laughs> what that you, is. I'm telling you a fact. Mm -hmm. uh, now, you take it for what it's worth, and you ask yourself, how come? How come this, How come Mr. Davis over there has got to spell out the fact that he is black trying to do that because of the improportionate equity that has been passed down through time, you know? And so those are the things, and when people have these conversations, and this is what has inspired me to do what it is that I'm doing. I want to have my conversation. I want to have these conversations. One last point and I'll shut up. No, no, no. My, <laughs> my band leader, Robert Watson, as I spoke to him, 10 years with James Brown, traveled all over the world playing. So when I was putting this together, I heard him in a little joint. His head was hitting the ceiling. And I says to him, would you like to play in an arena to where you have the things that you did when you were with Jamin? I says, oh, yeah. So he came out and we met. And one of the things that stuck with me and made me realize that this is how it is perceived, when he went to Europe, to all these countries, he says to me, Buster, there's one thing you got to remember now. Because I am C, and I usually get up and I speak prior to and afterwards. And uh, 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 he says, there's one thing that you have to, you, that you want to stay away from. Don't talk about race. I go, what? Don't talk about black and white. And I said, okay. The moment I got the microphone, all you white people out there, y'all want to listen. <laughs> <laughs> 
My point is, this is the condition that he was conditioned when he was going to Europe and all these other yep. places. They stayed away from that. James Brown had a white wife. She came out on the stage. They never announced that. There she was, but yet he was performing there. You don't say it, you say it, but you don't talk about it. Why not yep. break those barriers, you know? And so from that point on, he came up to me after I did that. He says, man, you were right on. Well, I'm glad you think so since that microphone that I had belonged to me, that stage that you were on belonged to me. I want to know why you thought bringing up racial issues well, you know, the way we're, and he prescribed to me or showed to me the reason and the prescription was that makes everything flows better. No, 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 no. But no, for no, who no. is no, no, the question? No, no, Yeah, no, no, not for me. It don't, it don't flow. It don't flow here at all. It yeah. gets corked up and I got to let it out. Yeah. Those are even on the black side, how we have been socially, economically, underestimated and undervalued mm -hmm. our talents to fit in their mold. Yep. And we're okay as long as we stay in their mold. Hell no. Nope. Hell no. So we at Bushers, we break out of that. We break out of that, you know. And when people come to Busters, I hope it just oozes out of me. And it seems to be doing okay because I'm still open. <laughs> I think you're doing more than okay if you're still open. <laughs> so, 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 but here again, it all revolves around, you know, you can save black businesses and, and, and doing, and this is all part of doing business. And, you, you know, business could be your title, but underlying whatever else goes along by being black, in, in this world today. Mm -hmm. and, and these are some of the things that got left out. And, and, and unless we as black business owners, black people in general, don't address them ourselves. I mean, we need to address them ourselves. We need to take ourselves out of that comfort zone to talk up, to talk about. Be proud that you're black. You, there's nothing wrong with being black and get out of it mentally. And when we can get out of it mentally, then we will show it prosperitously in our business, in when we make our sauce, in when we, whatever it is that we do. And we have, and we're born genetically with the talents to do anything that we wanted to do and don't let anybody tell you you weren't you know absolutely and for so for so long you know we listen to those to tell you that there's something wrong with our kinky hair you know there's something wrong with our black skin because it, economically the suppression was to keep us down, to keep working for nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's why they wanted to hold on to the South, is to keep free labor, mm -hmm. to keep making millions and millions of millions of dollars At the on, on free of labor. Black people. And, and, and that just it has manifested in today. So when somebody takes a look at me and they see where I am and how I speak and, and what it is and how I carry myself, then they go back and some of them say to themselves, well, he's one of those uppity ends. 
<laughs> you know? And so I just put my head down and says, oh my God, you know? But I don't run from it anymore. I don't try to avoid it anymore. I take it on. And I do it, and you have to, as business folks, we can't run from it. We can't, we can't dodge it. That's like trying to go into the shower and scrub your black skin white so just so you can make a presentation to sell your wine or to sell your barbecue sauce, you know. I feel good sitting here talking to my brother that's in business. And he says, well, Buster, he's selling barbecue sauce and, and you sell barbecue sauce. That's right. We both sell barbecue both sauce sell and it's both damn sauce. good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, so you see, I'm able, and I had to learn this, I'm able not to ridicule somebody else that's in my own business. I go and praise them and I help them out. Yeah. What can I do to help you? It's all about bringing up more people with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's yeah. what the goal should always be. Because it's great to have individual success. But if you look back and you're the only one standing there, how much of an imprint are you actually oh, leaving if you can't help bring up other people with you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's sitting there, it's lonely there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it, and it should be, you know, because you have to ask yourself, how much of your soul did you sell, did you sell? to get there, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so if I see my brother struggling and I know I can help him, uh, and, and, and when I say brothers and sisters, that's black, white, pink, purple, that's anyone, you know. But I specify because I am that black person. Right. I am that suppressed one. Mm-hmm. I am that one that, that, that they took away from mm-hmm. and, and wanted me to believe that that was the right thing to mm-hmm. do, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not asking for a handout. I'm not asking to do nothing. If you just get me on the same level and, and those levels... Are economic. Yes. And that's, and that's one of those things. When you start talking economics, oh, well, you know, you, you why do you want so much money, Mr. Davis? Oh, well, because it actually <laughs> takes this much money if you knew. <laughs> like, you I know. Mean, this is, those are some of the, those are some of the questions that I get. And I just got to kind of look at them and I go, oh, man, what a struggle to get through that asinine question. Mm-hmm. You know, why? You know, I mean, look what I have done mm-hmm. and you see where I want to do more mm-hmm. and what it's going to take to get there and what it's going to take to get there, you know? So those are some of the disparities that have to be driven home. And I am so fortunate. And once again, I want to thank you for allowing this to happen. And, and when I walked in and I said to you, wow, it clicked right then because I'm at the stages of putting uh, my platform, you know, together, I'm actually writing it, myself right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. and I see these microphones and I see this I see these conversations and I says that's what we got to have at Buster's not only do we sell barbecue but we're going to sell the truth mm. and we're going to bring the truth out we're going to get the brother that sell that wine come on over here and drink some of that wine and eat some of them ribs you know we're going to get the brother that's got the barbecue sauce that's trying to sell it bring that stuff over here and spread it on some of my meat and see what it tastes like mm-hmm. you know where are you going to do it you're going to get it right here at Buster's Jazz Blues and Barbecue so the music is just one of those equalizers that people come around because they love the good music brings it all back. together and, 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 I'm, and I'm trying to teach them why they pat their foot <laughs> <laughs> 
And then I'm going to teach them how to pat their foot in rhythm. <laughs> then the rhythm comes after. The rhythm comes after. <laughs> I ain't got there yet. They, they pat their foot. Then I'm going to teach them how to pat their foot in, in the rhythm of what's going on, you know. Then, then nice. I'm doing something. You know? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Baby says, baby says. Daryl, um, we haven't gotten to hear from you yet, but, you know, you're sitting next to a, 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 the best barbecue in Napa Valley. Napa Valley. <laughs> What has it been like for you getting started in this space with your barbecue sauce? I know, you know, you had mentioned off air, you came here primarily as a chef to work under Thomas Keller, world renowned, you know, everywhere in the culinary world. What has that been like for you as a black chef and getting launched with your own business? And what challenges did you see as you were trying to just put your own foot in the store? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, thank you for for having me, of course. And, uh, you know, I think the the underlining theme here from from everyone is just a passion. Obviously, the passion at, at Buster's and at Moss Winery and, and everything that's happening there um, and the and the the kind of grind hustle and hurdles you have to overcome to, to get where you need to get. Mm-hmm. Um, so mine's, you know, similar in some ways, but everyone has their own struggles that they have to kind of overcome. You know, for me, we came out here, you know, just with the idea of solely cooking. My wife, we both moved out here from Kansas City, uh, where I was born and raised, and we came out here. Only idea was to cook out here. We said, you know, two weeks before we moved out here, We'd never moved to California. <laughs> you, know, we're, you know, we had the idea of palm trees and Hollywood and all this. We're like, we're, we're not doing that ever. But so, you know, we came out here. I started working for, for Chef Keller, uh, just started as a CDP, so as a line cook over at Bouchon in Yountville and mm-hmm. just, you know, slowly worked the way up, you know, saw, saw next steps, saw Demi Sue, then Sue, and then I was like, I'm going to stick here till I get that exec Sue. And uh, just kind of gritted out there, um, and you know, each each step just grew. But you know, the sauce came about as um, you know, I learned the recipe from home back in Kansas City, and uh, I was doing it for family meal. So every mm-hmm. every day you do meals for the staff in the kitchen. So I was making this, you know, once a week for for family meal, and just kept playing around with the recipe I had, kept tweaking it. Eventually, it got to a point where you know, people are eating the same thing every week, but they're actually looking forward to it you know so that's kind of where it stopped and that's where it ended i was like all right that was that's fun but then you know i was speaking with my wife we're christians uh we go to grace church and we we heard someone from rafiki foundation and i was like i've got to do something big like i i want to help people i, I want to do something bigger than what we are what i am you know my first thoughts were I'm gonna I'm gonna move to Africa. I'm gonna cook over there. I'm a chef. I'm gonna do all this stuff and, and help people. And my wife just quickly reeled me in. She's like, <laughs> she's like, she's like all right, there's, there's people here that you can help, that you can impact. So I just you know sat on that for a while and said, if I'm gonna be able to do that, I'm gonna have to generate revenue to be able to to give back. So yeah. after doing the family meal and everything, it just kind of hit me, you know right in the face is like you're from kansas city you have this recipe you're a chef combine the two you make something where you can sell it give the proceeds back to you know rafiki foundation was initially we added on no kid hungry foundation so now you're proudly supporting both correct yeah yeah we have for the last eight years so wow that's all of how that that came about that's the only reason 
that sauce is in that jar right now is, you know, was the idea to, to give back. So that's uh, a beautiful story. Passion met was. with uh, this desire to know that at the same time, while you're building into your passion, you can find a way to spread a little bit of that love back. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was more of primarily giving that love back. You know, I remember being younger in Kansas city and my mom, she would take me. This is like one of the biggest pieces that sticks with me is she would take me to these soup kitchens and we'd volunteer at nighttime and you'd see like the homeless lined up outside of the windows and they're just like itching to get in and I just remember like stepping aside just kind of crying and just you know from then and every other moment since then it's just been you've got to help those that can't help themselves so mm. uh, Rafiki helps orphans and, and widows in in, um, in 10 different countries in Africa so it's it's a, it's a big piece of uh it's the biggest piece of, of why that's there. It sounds like this is the reason for why that's there then. It's, it's yeah. your, your passion, but like you said, first and foremost, it's what can I do to primarily help people? Exactly. And you just ended up bridging something that you're naturally great at um, and using that as the vehicle to help you get there. Yeah, yeah. So so worked out that way. And then, yeah, obviously work for Chef Keller. As you talk about the grind, you guys both talk about the grind. It was, you know, as a CDP, you're doing 15, 16 hours a day. <sighs> And on my days off, I would go to stores and do demos in the stores and eventually got into like Sunshine, Oakville Grocery, like nine different stores at one point as a line cook <laughs> at Bouchon and mm-hmm. um, just kept doing that unbeknownst to Chef Keller. And then eventually I reached out and I was like, hey, you know, I make this. I know you don't know this, but, you know, I want to do a tasting for you. He said, sure, bring it. I cooked him Love some that. ribs. I think it was Chef Ross was there, cooked them some ribs with the sauce and uh, you know they put it on a seaborne cruise line and that's that's where we've been and then recently we reached out to uh, more of these mason size jars for consumers but you know the the whole the whole struggle the whole the part and piece that sticks with me to napa is i told my wife you know my first four months here i was pulled over 10 times you know <sighs> things have definitely changed since then but there's still that constant, you know, as, as you mentioned to your point of, you know, you look at someone, you don't know what they're seeing and thinking when they're looking back at you, right? Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you ask them for, for money or, you know, you ask them for directions or whatever it is, you know, there's always, it's, it's within that slight half second pause where your mind starts figuring out and, and realizing like what's what's actually happening yeah. going yeah. on there. Um, it, it never escapes you, you know. I, I try not to dive into it and, you know, walk into a target and say, what's this person, you know, anything like this, but it, it never leaves you that you're entering into a building, you're entering into a space, a restaurant, a kitchen. For majority of the years, my years uh, here in, in Napa, in kitchens, I've mostly been, I've been the only black. Um, I'd say a handful of months there's been one other, but it's always, that's that's how it is. Yeah. And, and with that, I always have that, I wouldn't say a burden, it's a, it's a strong weight and realization and mm-hmm. awareness mm-hmm. Uh, that, that you've got a, good's not good enough, right? So someone else can be good, you've got to be great in order to be considered good, right? You, you've got to be... You've got to be exec sue for someone to respect you. You've got to be shift to cuisine uh, to get that respect as, as, some, as a line cook, right? So mm-hmm. there's always that realization that, you know, I'm carrying the people in the future that want to be chefs, specifically African-Americans that want to be chefs, 
that I've got to get that path set up properly so and, and respect it that process for future so, generations yeah exactly yeah so what is that pressure can we talk about what that pressure like does emotionally you know to to have to feel like you take on that weight of the world and knowing that you're the only pioneer or sometimes the only individual in in that room and knowing that in order to create and and the goal right to create more opportunities future opportunities for people to see someone in that space that knows I can do that too. That is an opportunity for me. That is a legitimate possibility for me because I see people in those spaces. What kinds of emotions does that bring up? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it's something when you step aside, you step back and you look at it, you, you can feel it. There's a, there's a book called uh, Black Like Me uh, that was written, I think, like 1968 or so, but it's with the... It's a white journalist where he took on the role of, of becoming a black person. He's a white guy, took on the role of becoming a black person in the South, right in the middle of uh, all the racism. And he took that role on so he can really figure out what it was like. And he cut his time short. You know, he had this timeline of how long he would do this, but he's like, I can't do this. He's like, I can't be this person that walks into somewhere, has this burden, people immediately have and fill these things towards you uh and he, he just cut it short you know it's 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 better than it was in the 60s sure but you know mm-hmm. you definitely still it, it it weighs on you you know mm-hmm. it's, it's tiring at, at times i'm sure you guys can it's a lot that it's, it's a, you know the funny thing about it is that when you talk about that pressure i had pressure all my life you know so i just live with it hmm. right i mean to be honest but um, I overcome, I don't let it get to me, you know, because I know what my journey is and I know what I'm doing, I know where I'm headed and um, I'm gonna be the best at what I do mm-hmm. um, or I'm gonna die trying, right? I'm yeah. sure both you guys said the same thing. You know, you didn't go into your journeys thinking I'm gonna fail. Uh, you know, I'm gonna, everyone goes into their journeys knowing there's gonna be trials and tribulations, right? Mm-hmm. And so we just have bigger trials and tribulations than the other side. So with that being said, you just you, you face it head on. I mean, that's what I do, man. I just I just face everything head on no matter what. I know I got evil out there, you know, and I just have to keep moving forward and um, keep presenting and keep overcoming and work harder and do what I got to do to make James be successful. And um, hopefully other people can see what I'm doing and, and want to come along on the ride. I think that's part of one of the things is, is that you can't put it in dollars and cents is the pressure that you go through. Right. Just waking up every morning knowing that you got to go do this. I can never put it in dollars and cents. It's just that I do it, you know. Uh, and, and again, this is one of the things that people never get asked uh, of black people is, what pressure are you under? What pressure do you feel? What kind of pressure do you you have? And then answer the question, if you were a uh, psychiatrist or psychologist, uh, uh, sociologist, through all of that, what do you feel? How, how, How do you feel? And then if you start saying some of these things, you know, start giving your background and your parents. Or this. They look at you, oh, my God. And you come this far with that? Well, yeah. Why? 
because we had no other choice. No other choice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No other. You know what? What do you want me to do? I can't back up. Yeah. And, and I can't just and, lie and, on the and, ground, and throw it, myself yeah. there, and just be like. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't raise that magical wand and say things gonna be good for me today because my folks suffered for me, so therefore I'm gonna play off of their suffering, and then I want it to be good. Oh hell no. It hits you, you know, there, and 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 I think that's why there there are great many of us don't succeed is because through fault of theirs or maybe not theirs through the social economical they get hit with that stuff and that's some that's some big stuff to get hit with yeah. that would take down a good person and you know there's businesses that aren't black that get less than that, that go down. But but like my brother says here, what do you do? You just keep going. But in that keeping going, in that thread of keeping going, you register that struggle. It gets registered with you. And so when you get enough of those struggles, and if you don't get some, some relief, you just break down. I can't do it no more. You know, you just go, I, I can't do it no more. So anytime that you see a black person or a person of color to come through and to do what it is that they love to do in an area that is demographic shows that even some of the best ones don't make it and you're going to try it, good luck. And so my hat's off to both of y'all that you to come through and look at the demographics, the social, economical that confront all of us and decide, you know what, I can't let that stop me. I got to keep going. I'm going to do it anyways. But never forget that still adds some pressure mm -hmm. that you could really do without. Mm -hmm. if, I, if you didn't have to deal with it, you could do a lot better. Whether you are successful or not, but you could do without that, you know. And so these are some of the things that we as black people, or I'll speak for myself, is that I can't allow it to, to keep me from doing what it is. And if you're if you're keeping going, you're saying the same thing. I can't allow that 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 particular pressure to keep me from doing what it is that I'm doing because can't I got the love me. and I got the joy, you know, and I got the good Lord on my side and, and we're gonna keep pressing on, you know. Yep. Keep yeah. on pushing. How do people stay connected with uh, each and every one of you so that we can invest in some beautiful barbecue sauce, help give back. We can invest in the incredible business that you've continued to, to yeah. build. We can drink some delicious, incredible wines uh, with so much rich history. How, how does everyone stay in touch and, and invest in you, right? I think that's the, the best thing that we can also do if it all boils down to equity and being able to be on that same playing field then people acknowledging their purchasing power and acknowledging that their dollars go a very long way when they put it in the hands of the right businesses and that we have that power knowing that we're the owners of that dollar, how do we then create more of that equity and how do they stay in touch with all of you? This is one of the things <laughs> that, that I see happening to our demise is that as soon as I tell people where I live, they go, oh, you don't need my help. And I go, oh, my God. You live up there. You got all the money you need. You got all this. What You know, I'm not going to spend my money with you. You're making all the money. I can't. And, you know, look at the car you're driving. You're driving that car. This is to our own demise. This is something that we as black people have to get over 
And again, this is all done through a social economical platform that was created. That's why we think that. Because if you go all the way back to Africa, it was not how much you make, it's how much do you need? What do you need as a group of people? What do you need as a, as a village? What do you need? And you were given that, as opposed to you got enough, I ain't gonna help you no more, you, you, you don't need no more, you know? So being successful after you climb those ladders and you become, quote, successful in the eyes of those that count success, then you have the backlash from your own people mm. as to how successful you are. We don't mind you being successful, but just don't get too, too successful because, you know, you don't, you, don't, you don't need my help no more. We have to come out of that thinking. We have to come uh, out of that. And, and yet they will go and spend their money in a white grocery store and buy people that have no connection with black wine or sauce being made, you know, by black. One of the tragedies that it is, if you start making wine or you start making your barbecue sauce, you know, and you work and you sweat and you put all your love and your thoughts in it, somebody comes up and says, man, I'll give you X amount of dollars for it. And you look at that and you go, oh my God, that's more money than I can ever make in my life. And so you take it. So what happens is now you're not in the picture no more. They've taken your creativity, they've taken your blood, sweat, and tears, gave you a few dollars, and now you buying whatever it is that you want to buy, something that you couldn't afford until you, until you got to that. One of the things that I had made a commitment to myself is uh, when I got approached by people wanting to buy my product, to buy me out, buy my product, and it was tempting, and I said no. And the reason I said no is because they will detach the fact that it was owned and produced and created by somebody black, okay? And in order for me to help my grandchild and for me to help my daughter and for all those around, I have to say no and let them take it that other step because that's what happens. That's exactly what happens. And, and so we as black people, we, we have to look at both ends of that tightrope that we walk is that once you become successful, say, brother, I'm going to buy all of that from you. And oh, by the way, I want you to sign this document that you can never produce this again in your life. And you sold me your recipe, you sold me your shoes, your drawers, your everything. Your soul. <laughs> okay. Don't you even think about making another barbecue sauce. And they buy it. Now, they'll buy it and just put it on the shelf to keep you from making it again. Mm -hmm. Because why? Because you presented a maybe threat. Those are some of the other sides of being successful. And so this is, again, this is all these different tight ropes, mm -hmm. you know, that you walk. And, 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 and through my career, through my long, arborous career, I walked that tight rope. I went down those paths. I've been confronted with that. I've been proposed that. Sell your soul. And I just thank God that I was able to say no. Hmm. Because if I had said yes, I guarantee you, you would not be having this conversation with me sitting here today. Thank you know, you. 
you would not, you know, I would have been off doing something. And a classic case of that is Famous Amos. Cookies? The cookie. I did not know that. Out of Los Angeles. Bought his recipe, bought everything, gave him a few dollars, and he's in somewhere in Hawaii. Now, can't even think about making another cookie. That's what happens. And then, you know, uh, go buy a bag, go see if you can even buy a bag of Famous Amos cookies anymore that isn't distributed through some of the big distributors. These are the things, these are the stories that you don't get. You know, and, and those are some of the pitfalls that we run through. And we flash it and uh, we take it because it glitters and all that glitters is not gold. And those are some of the fundamental characters, the character of being black and going through this thing of being a business person and doing what it is that you do that you've got to weed through. And that's hard really, really hard, besides the fact of just staying open. So when you see a black person open in a world like what's going on today, man, it's really something at any kind, whether it's a barbecue place, whether it's selling wine, whether it's just, it's really something. That is the, the truth of it all. And, and it really hits home when you just start asking each one of these two guys, my brother's here, you know, I mean, it's struggle enough, but then you add at the top of this and then, you know, it's hard to do. It's very hard to do. Yeah. For me, I crest that. I, I was able to overcome and get that crest. Now, making money and being successful are two different things, two distinct different things. I take success over making money. Because if I have success, that other will follow. But with success, I learn poise. I learn dignity. I learn compassion. I learn the love of my brothers. I learn the fact that I can say to this brother, bring that sauce over here. If I was making money, keep that sauce away from my place. You go start your own damn barbecue place and mm -hmm. put your own damn sauce on it. You see what I'm saying? Yep. That's the difference. And so we have to get out of that first stage of making money and putting that compassion back into it. Because basically being back, we, we inherited compassion. It got driven out of us through whatever means it was to drive that compassion out. But if we bring back that compassion, we bring back that true love that we have for one another in anything, whether it's making sauce, whether it's making wine, it will come with it. It will come with that compassion. When it comes with that compassion, you will be successful. You will be successful. But you leave that compassion out, and what you got is a bunch of money, and you're miserable. Mm. Guaranteed. Mm. 100%, and I completely agree. I completely agree. There's so much wisdom that you bring to the table, Charles. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sitting here, and I'm just so in awe with everything that each and every one of you ha have said today. And, and I really wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time this this morning to sit down with me to really express, you know, what those trials and tribulations look like, what that history has looked like, what it means to, to be a black business owner in this world, in Napa Valley for sure, and just all of the rich knowledge that each and every one of you has has been able to gain throughout this time. You know, you said it best, it should be black history, not just one month, but all year round. And that's certainly how we want to continue treating these spaces. But it has been my absolute honor and, and privilege to be able to sit down with you here for Black History Month specifically. 
specifically and and primarily highlight um, thank you for three incredible me. Yeah, thank incredible you for individuals. Me. Yes, absolutely. I appreciate it being part of the panel. Here, yeah. So. Thank you. How do uh, how do people stay in touch with J Moss Wines? I mean, just look us up. I mean, it's jmosswines.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram. You know, J Moss Wines. Um, come on down. I mean, it's all about liquid to lips, right? So mm-hmm. um, if you like it, buy it, right? 100%. I mean, that's what we say um, because I know you're buying wine somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Why not from J Moss? Why not from J We I know mean, people have been drinking this quarantine. That's right. You know, we, we know. We, we know you're drinking, you know. <laughs> we so, know not everybody and, did and, dry, Larry. Exactly. And we know you're eating, you know. So um, support, you know, and that's all we ask is, uh, um, and I always tell everybody to, and I, and I believe in this, you know, if you just, if you like the wines, buy the wines. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone has their own palate. Everyone 100%. has their own taste. Exactly. You know, um, I'm not saying if you don't like it, you have to buy it. I'm just saying if you do like it, you know, support me, you know. You know, it's so funny. We talk about different things, but I run across certain things in, in, in wine sales is that I sell an $80 bottle of wine, you know, and I even sell a $125 bottle of wine, you know. The same person asked me why I'm selling my bottle for $80 would go down and buy this guy's other wine for $100. Yep. So, you, you know, I mean, I'm selling it for $80 because it's worth, worth. $100. And I know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. I sell it for $125 because I know it's worth $250. Mm-hmm. I'm over-delivering on my product. And I do that for a reason. We all know that reason. Mm-hmm. But the thing of it is, is that, you know, if you like it, buy it. If you don't, thank you for coming, trying the wines, you know, enjoying the little entertainment, enjoying the uh, um, the courtyard. Um, and then I'm going to have to get with my man over here, and we're going to have to get some music up in there. Yes. Bases. Well, you know, and some barbecue. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm like, summertime when everything yeah. opens, calves and slabs, let's go. Exactly. You know, freaking, you know, break down. I know you got a cue up there or something. Yeah. You know, like break down the, the jazz, the, the beef. The, you this, know. Is, this, is, this is one of the things that I appreciate. Of this is that I'm gonna have uh, the gentleman that's that's gonna be taking care of my wine, and uh, and I, I invite you cordially to come out right now and to see the structure that that is being built as we speak to do what it is that I say uh, about exposing the wines and the concepts that I have and expose it. So I have been talking with a uh, broker and wine, Jess Peters. I don't know if you know him, but Jess Peters is going to be handling and making sure, one, that I get all the black wine uh, makers wine into my place and then have an exhibition of introducing all of the black wines that we can get a hold of along eating some of Buster's barbecue with my brother Sasa on here. Yes. <laughs> and 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 hook it up with some music. And so you can sit, enjoy barbecue sauce and barbecue and wine and music. And, music. and that helps everybody mm-hmm. that that in. So I I went to get a card. I will give you a card. It will have my contact information, but it's gonna say last tango peach because I'm a broker in peaches, but it will have the contact. But if it's if you just Google Buster's Southern Barbecue, I'll pop up, and and I'm I'm saying to you, 
don't wait on me to invite you. You right. come and say, hey, I met you, you know, and, and this is who I am. And uh, we will put you on our list of people to get in contact when I have just uh, start working on that. And we hopefully this can take place in uh, early, early spring, if not uh early summer you right know on, right again on. it's all based on this COVID you exactly know? Mm-hmm. yeah COVID yeah. is taking a big toll here I mean it's um, I can't believe as long it's went on as long as it has right yeah I mean, we're coming up on a year, year. exactly yeah. I mean I, I when it happened I was thinking oh you know this is the United States right you know we're we gonna we got all these people all these scientists and all this stuff right? <laughs> we've we're been gonna, the worst you know we've been the, just horrible it's just you know go forward take two steps back you know mm. go forward take two steps back so I'm hoping that this COVID thing is solved a little bit and we can actually do some entertaining and, and you know do some different things here as as well as eat again inside you yeah. know what I mean eating outside uh, you speak of Bouchon I was at Bouchon last night <laughs> you, know, um, eat, you know eating in a tent right you know yeah. I mean it's like it's brutal but, it is uh, brutal for the teams uh, everybody in it everybody. it's cold you look at the weather outside yeah. a day not good not good well Daryl how does everyone uh, stay in, in contact with uh, and how do they get access to Stateline State Road Barbecue yeah, yeah. yeah you can go to uh, 816barbecuesauce.com or Stateline uh, dash road.com uh, then obviously we're on Instagram as well uh, 816BBQ uh, as well as Stateline um, and, or my personal uh, Daryl underscore Bell underscore Junior perfect. perfect wonderful and we already know Google it yeah. Buster Southern Barbecue. Well, I'm going to meet your card. They'll have Best my contact information on it. And, 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 and they can just do that and then come on out. Yes. So don't wait for me. Just come so, on out. Come on out. You know, and yeah. bring a bottle of your wine and a bottle of your sauce. <laughs> and we'll or have ourselves a, a party. We'll do a free limb, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, cheers to, uh, to new friends. Cheers. Right. New I friends. love that. Exactly. Cheers. <laughs> Thank, right. you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Big sip.